Welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Joining us this Tuesday, like every Tuesday, is Robert Larson from the other side of the Cleveland National Forest. Welcome to the show, Robert. Hey, Heather. Always good to be with you from here in the Inland Empire. Yeah. So it's not just Ohio and it's not just Pennsylvania that uh, people are having their registrations tampered with, with uh, different kind of prohibitive voting laws like voter ID. In Riverside County, voters are having their registrations changed from Democrat to Republican. What's behind this? Yeah, this is something that actually isn't new. This has been going on a while, but I think it's kicked into high gear. And you see these kinds of problems in areas where either the uh, judiciary is very uh, Republican-leaning or there's just a higher number of uh, Republicans running the legislature on the state level or local level, uh, you know, city councils and whatnot, uh, you, you see this happening more. But I, this, the whole thing, one of the things they're doing here is when they are registering voters, and there's a lot of that going on, registration drives, the Democratic Party and the Republican Party both are doing this, and the, the Democrats usually pay their workers by the hour to register voters. Okay. The Republicans pay them by the voter, uh, how many people they register. Okay. And if they're registered Republican. I think they get paid less if they're not registered Republican, or maybe they don't even get paid at all. But I, I've known people that who have done this, and they, I've seen them work, and when they're registering people, and, and people who aren't, they're the what we call the low-information voters, mm-hmm. don't know much about things, they're... Like, uh, I don't know which party, and they go, oh, well, Republican's good. You, you probably want to go with Republican, right? I mean, yeah, they've been around a while. They're, they're a major party. And a lot of people just don't know and say, sure. But what they're also doing is they're just not even asking per- people that question and then just checking the box for Republican. And a problem that's happening now is, in, is when people are trying to verify their uh, registration or they're actually being called by the registrar verify that they're a legitimate voter and then they're saying uh, I'm Democrat or I'm Republican or I'm independent or whatever and they said well no you're a registered Republican and it causes an issue and some of these people are actually getting disenfranchised because of this. It's not exactly caging voters where you send out a thing and they have to send it back or they'll be off the voting rolls it's just a kind of a registration snafu due to a payment system. Yeah, it's like so. It's like if you're not matching what they have, then they they can possibly uh, disallow the person to be a voter. And there's something else going on. That's one of the things. But they didn't go into the specifics of how they're figuring this all out or how it's happening. But they did say there were dozens of affidavits. This is a Democratic leaning group because they were having complaints. Uh, they had gotten dozens of affidavits together that they brought to the attention of the authorities of people saying, I did not register Republican, and this is showing me registered Republican. So you tend to think this is not just a uh, um, coincidence, because it's not happening the other way. You're not having people calling up, I registered Republican, and now I'm registered Democrat. So it's just one more thing that that the Republican Party's been doing uh, for decades now. (laughs) I hear over the last, you know, 10 or 12 years. These guys are a lot of fun, aren't they? Yeah, well, I think it's like um, they sort of know that overall people aren't buying what they're selling, and so they have to first uh, get the turnout lower, because when it's a low turnout, they do better, and then to do whatever they can to get people who would 
tend to vote Democratic do not allow them to, and they target minorities, uh, African Americans and Latinos tend to vote overwhelmingly Democratic actually now, and so they're trying to uh, make sure that those people don't vote. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, another news from the Lin Empire, uh, the religious film that uh, made fun of the Prophet Muhammad that was released last week and caused rioting in the, the Muslim world, as it's called in the Western media. Uh, there's a connection to uh, that film in Hemet. Yeah, there's a man named Steve Klein, and he is Stephen Klein, and he is uh, a religious extremist, a Christian... I don't know if I would say fundamentalist, but uh, a Christian group that's kind of on the edge and uh, very much been involved for years. He's on the radar. He and groups he's affiliated with are on the radar of the Southern Poverty Law Center. Yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with that group. They track uh, hate groups. Yeah. And uh, they're very anti-Islam, and they have this... But they're the kinds of people, I guess uh, Michelle Bachman probably falls into this category, who feel we are, our culture is under attack and that there is this imminent threat of uh, Sharia law being implemented in the United States. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah, I mean, it's so, oh, yeah, that's just, uh, I've been uh, getting uh, in trouble for not, for you know, for shaving my beard. Uh, yeah, it's just happening every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he's one of these uh, types of people and is... His name has come up. The authorities are all over this now because they're wondering, you know, what the deal is with this film because it supposedly caused these people to riot. But it, it is a very, uh, uh, it, it's well within people's free speech rights to to put this film out. But it's very provocative. It's a thing that is seems designed to, to cause some type of uh, uproar. And uh, it's, it, but the people are all very shady. This guy, uh, Stephen Klein, he's. He is not the director of the film. He is a, uh, I guess you would call him a promoter of the film. And he was, uh, he said, he called himself a consultant on the film, which is, uh, film I think is is a, a loosely used uh, term here. It's yeah. A uh, piece of crap, you know, it's just, it's no production value. But anyway, it's, uh, he's just every so often comes up with these really extreme statements and, uh, there, there's not really a lot known about him. Uh, he's, and now this thing, this whole incident, it just happened like a week or two ago. It's kind of off the radar now. You're not hearing much about it with this film. But you and I have talked off the air about how it's so weird that the film just all of a sudden became a thing. And all of a sudden it's up, got all these uh, Muslims up in, you know, in an uproar. So, uh, yeah, we, we have a lot of these types out here in the Inland Empire. And... Uh, Stephen Klein seems to be uh, one of them, and uh, don't know a whole lot more about him other than what was reported there. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if I would want to do this experiment just because I don't ha harbor any ill feelings towards the Muslim community, but if I made an anti-Muslim film that, you know, showed Prophet Muhammad or whatever, I'm guessing my film would only have 500 hits. Like, I have no idea how that film got so big so fast, and it was so crappy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm. Uh, I'm thinking it's almost like this. Somebody had this as a plan, and I, I there's no evidence for this, but it does seem like one of the things you've seen in the past, where intelligence operatives uh, 
sort of uh, push this kind of thing along and take people. And, and Klein and the other people involved in this were just people that were really kind of manipulated into being part of this whole thing. Not that they don't harbor these anti-Islam sentiments, but we weren't going to make this big splash until people came along and helped to push along what they were doing. Yeah. Different intelligence communities would definitely have reasons for that. There's the uh, push for the war with Iran that requires a lot of anti-Islam uh, sentiment here in the U.S. for it to go forward. Uh, I don't know. Maybe something like that's going on. Maybe these guys just are all weirdos who happen to get together and cause such a stir overnight. I don't know. Yeah, it's just kind of a weird story that just seems a little bit fishy that we need to know more than what's being told. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, because of immigration laws, moving on to another story, uh, farmers in Temecula Valley and Fallbrook are facing labor shortages. Uh, this thing happened in the South where they did uh, immigration laws that were so strict that they didn't have anybody to pick their crops. Um, how is that playing out in the Land Empire? Yeah, this is pretty interesting because we don't have some of the draconian laws here in California that are in some of these other states are <laughs> Uh, federal laws, they are uh, implementing a lot of these uh, anti-immigration laws and uh, that uh, pushed to a degree, I think, by the right wing in this country. But uh, so, so that's, it's making it more difficult. And so the farmers are complaining here in uh, the Temecula Valley and Fallbrook that they are facing a labor shortage because there are, uh, and, and they don't seem to be the farmers themselves that concern whether their laborers are uh, undocumented immigrants or fully documented American citizens. It's just they need skilled labor, and you think it's a, a low-skilled uh, labor, and it's not necessarily. People that have been picking crops for years, there are certain techniques about it and the way things need to be done, and uh, it, it does take some experience to do it quickly and efficiently and properly. Uh, I, I'm sure it, it, a person could be trained uh, uh, fairly easy, but if someone's been doing it for 10 or 20 years, they're certain they're definitely going to be doing it better, you would think, and that seems to be the complaint of these farmers. But something that's not touched on in the article is that the they're saying the Americans don't want to do these jobs, and I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think if Americans were... Uh, paid a decent wage and the working conditions were safe, that there would be a fair amount of people that would do it. Yeah. That they're having to get a lot of these undocumented workers to have very little opportunity in their homeland, which for the most part is Mexico. The, the reason they're able to get them is because it's out of desperation. They don't have those job opportunities there in their own countries. And, uh, uh, they're willing to work in more hazardous conditions and in uh, yeah, sort of difficult conditions and for pay that is lower. But actually, these farmers are saying, I don't know if it's true, that the average wage uh, that people are getting for doing this is something like, I don't know, something like $14 an hour. That doesn't sound right. It doesn't. So I'm thinking there's a lot of uh, documented American citizens that would gladly do this for $14 an hour. It could be technically correct if it would be fourteen dollars an hour if you like picked like a robot or something that is like this on human target that you could you know possibly achieve and and get by the pound. But uh, I don't see that as a realistic goal, though. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I did, but that's what's being 
said, and uh, that I, I think even if that is if that is the case, I would imagine then the reason that most Americans don't want to do it is because it's considered hazardous and they're not yeah. uh, feeling too comfortable about exposure to pesticides and other things like yeah. that. Yeah. And then the other thing, too, is when farmers say, oh, well, you know, Americans don't do this job. It's always they always leave out like like Phil Knight when he said, oh, Americans don't want to build shoes. It's like, yeah, we don't want to build shoes under your conditions, which is sweatshop labor and ununionized. And, you know, I mean, no. Yeah. Americans aren't going to accept that. So, of course, we don't want to do it for your, you know, standard um, your operating procedure, basically. Right. So yeah. Yeah. Under those conditions. Yeah, exactly. They need to finish their sentences. Um, so, anyways, another story that's actually kind of funny. Um, that foul smell that blanketed Marietta and Lake Elsinore. Uh, well, apparently it traveled more than 100 miles from uh, the Salton Sea. So, is the smell still there since you're in Marietta? No, this lasted for a few days. It was when we were having a weird con weather conditions. I think it was about a week and a half ago, and it actually rained pretty hard a couple of days. There was a, uh, I don't know the technical term for it, but a um, sort of a, a uh, high pressure area or low pressure. But anyway, where you've got the kind of cloud cover. Yeah. A lot of um, things that would just go up into the atmosphere were being kind of kept down under that. And one of those things was this uh, sort of sulfuric smell from the Salton Sea. The Salton Sea has been a very ecologically troubled place for some decades now. And uh, one of the things that, that happens is that uh, there's a lot of algae overgrowth there. It's a very warm water lake. Yeah. And in the algae life cycle, uh, there's a certain time when I, I think a lot of the algae is dying off. It creates these uh, this sulfuric gas. Which is not uh, like toxic in the sense you could actually swim in the water, even though it seems really unpleasant. You, you, you could. It's not like that breathing that in is going to hurt you, but it's just really unpleasant, and it's caused a lot of uh, discomfort, I guess you would say, in that area. But anyway, it didn't bother us here, over 100 miles away from the Salton Sea. But because of this weather condition, we were getting that sulfuric smell that is very uh, prominent this time of year coming all the way like straight here and it just you would smell it it was just really weird like every night for uh, a few days and, and I heard it was in Lake Elsinore as well and there were even reports that uh, north of LA people were smelling it the way that oh wow air flows to some places I in the uh, I think in the valley north of LA they were smelling it up there and uh, so it's just strange. Salton Sea is a very strange place, and we usually don't have any real uh, direct connection to it here in the Temecula Valley, but we did about a week ago. Oh, God. I can't imagine having a foul smell and it being hot at the same time. That must have been a great week. Uh, it, was, it was pretty weird. <laughs> yeah. And the other foul smell that's still occurring, I guess, is uh, abandoned swimming pools and homes that have been foreclosed upon. Apparently... Stagnant water has accumulated, and now uh, there's concerns about the West Nile virus. Yeah, I, you know, I think that's an ongoing thing, the uh, West Nile virus uh, uh, threat. It's kind of always around, and anytime you have large pools of stagnant water, it, it exacerbates that problem. And so they're, they're out, the authorities are out trying to keep that under control, and they're starting to notice a lot of these uh, Green swimming pools, green water swimming pools. Ooh. Uh, and because there are a lot of abandoned houses, they're either just foreclosed on and nobody's living there, you know, just taken over by the banks, or 
And uh, some people are saying in some neighborhoods here in the IE that uh, there'll be, oh, there's four or five of those kinds of pools in our neighborhood. And oh, God. There's an aerial shot here uh, in the press enterprise of a helicopter flying over, and there's one house got a nice, clean, crystal blue swimming pool, and the next house over has got this green pond scum pool. Oh, my God. So, yeah, we still have a lot of these uh, unattended houses that are like this, and I, I know there are some uh, regulations in place when uh, banks take these over that they, they're responsible for uh, not allowing these hazards to occur. But yeah. A lot of these houses are in a gray area for a while, and uh, it's, uh, yeah, these kinds of things are happening. Yeah, I'm I'm sure the banks don't want to uh, drain the swimming pool because they're afraid of the, they, the neighborhood skateboarders are going to just, like, use it as a skateboard facility. Yeah. I'm sure that's taken into account, too. So it's almost like in their interest to just, you know, spend the... Uh, I don't know, whatever it is, $40 a month to keep the chlorine and... Yeah, it really is. Pay a pool guy to come by and check it out. Oh, Lord. I love when you, you're completely above the law. <laughs> that That's pretty awesome. Well, um, Robert, thanks for joining us on the Heather McCoy Show and another awesome report from Little Empire. This is the Heather McCoy Show.